Hello, curiosity seekers. Welcome to Dissecting Medical History. I'm Ange. I'm a travel nurse, medical history enthusiast, and your host. If you're looking for a storytelling formatted podcast with fun and fascinating topics on history and bios, then you are in the right spot. Please note this is not in any way medical advice. If you have anything that's ever discussed in any of the podcast episodes, please seek medical attention. Now, let's get this story started. Today, I am back with my brother, Brian, for another literary-related episode to Medically Dissect. Hello, brother. Hi. I'm very excited to be back. Are we going to be talking about Batman, uh, Batman's version of Bad Hatter or a more literary Mad Hatter? Batman's version? Oh, there's a lot of uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland characters. Uh, Twiddledee and Tweedledum, Mad Hatter. Um, in its own comic book, or? Yeah, they're they're uh, minor. They're more secondary character villains. Um, in the um... Tweedledee and Tweedledum are villains. Yeah, they're uh, cousins who look very much like identical twins. Who are? Oh, I gotta check that out. The Mad Hatter. Well, just as, just as a reminder for our listeners. Uh, Brian is an avid reader, apparently of comic books as well, and has a degree in literature. So um, it's great to have you back for this perspective. I'm going to have to check that out because I honestly did not know that. And I love Alice in Wonderland. It's well, it was one of our childhood favorites growing up, right? We we used to lovingly watch the Disney version of Alice in Wonderland quite a bit, but we also read the books as kids. We did. I, I um, don't know if you remember, but uh, I, there was one year where I wanted to read the Alice in Wonderland, and you and I wanted your copy, but you loved your copy so much you wouldn't let me borrow it because you know I was a little kid oh. and probably could ruin it. And was I, it the big red one? I think so. Complete works. Yeah, and that got, was a special one. And I got so upset, and I got an and they're like, our parents, I forget which one exactly. Uh, gave me an early Christmas present that year, which was uh, a copy of Alice in Wonderland on my oh, own. Yeah, Dad gave me a the complete works of Alice, well, the complete works of Lewis Carroll, and he'd written in it, this is your first adult book, and <laughs> blah, 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 and I was like, okay, this is an adult <laughs> book, all right, all right. But like being a little kid, like I mean, you rightfully didn't keep it for me, but I was like, I was like super upset and bitter, but I was like also like six or eight or whatever, how old you are when you read Alice in Wonderland. I had no idea. I'm so sorry that you went through that trauma. <laughs> it's, it's, it's laughable looking back at it. Well, this episode is going to be launching on January 27th, which happens to be Lewis Carroll's birthday. So today's topic is the Mad Hatter's disease. Which, of course, Alice in Wonderland has a character, the Mad Hatter. But did you know that in the book, they don't actually call him the Mad Hatter? He's called the Hatter. Correct. But it's the Cheshire Cat that calls him mad. And and, he, and the Dormouse. Don't forget, he says, they're all mad. Yes. Um, We're all mad. I'm mad. You're mad. Yep. But also, did you know that the March Hare is considered mad but do you know why he's considered mad no i only knew he was mad because the cat called him mad. i didn't realize there was something else there because it was thought at the time that hares were 
overly aggressive during mating season, which they thought was only in March. He's the March Hare. Therefore, he's mad because he's the March Hare. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. But that isn't really true. The mating season for the hares is actually about eight months long. But apparently, that's that was the thought back then. It was only in March. <laughs> but that's why he called him. That's why he used him. Because he was mad. Even though, yes, we're all mad. Before we get into the Mad Hatter, I'm going to just talk about Mad Hatter disease and mercury. Mad Hatter's disease is a poisoning, a mercury poisoning. So mercury, just a little quick tidbit, is an element that is liquid that forms into shiny little drops and will continue to break into smaller drops when it's touched. Have you ever handled mercury? No. Um, not unless it's in glass or a thermometer. Well, I have <laughs> because I used to hate going to school and I took a thermometer and I touched it to a lamp so it would get really hot so that when mom would come in and see that I had a 110 temperature, she wouldn't let me go to school, right? She would take you to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, well, I was young. What do I know? And, um, and it first because it got so hot from touching the lamp or keeping it on the lamp that there was like little mercury <laughs> balls everywhere and of course i was playing with it because it was really it was shiny and it did exactly that you would touch it and it would break off into these little pieces so when you when you looked at the thermometer the old-fashioned thermometers you could see the little mercury in there. Remember, it was like a little liquidy, shiny. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it would break off into these tiny little balls. And so that's why I know. <laughs> and you got you got mercury poisoning and went crazy mad. No, explained like that. Totally explained like that. No. Technically, when you touch it, it doesn't absorb. So I was, it's, it was safe. Oh. If I would have drank it, which there was people that drank it because it says such a high tension surface area that it doesn't um, absorb well. And so people were as experimenting, I guess, would drink it and it would come out intact on the other end. But I do not recommend this as an experiment because they did get tumors. So even though they didn't technically get absorbed, it does have an effect. <laughs> So, but I probably wouldn't touch it either. Um, Mercury got its nickname Quicksilver, and that was named Mercury after the Roman god Mercury, who's also the the Greek equivalent is Herm Hermes. He's the one that has the winged sandals. Correct. So, it was named after him because it it's a silvery, quick little uh, bugger. So, Mercury is more often known in salts that causes more immediate damage mercury bichloride is the most common form of the salt it dissolves really quickly in water or alcohol it spreads through living tissue pretty quickly um, it was used in a variety of ways one of those um, was a product called calomel calomel um, this was a product that i had talked about in my starvation doctor episode where she used it as a kid a lot of times 
when a patient had ailments of stomach issues, they would give this calomel to make them purge, to make them vomit or to have diarrhea. And of course, it was kind of like this circle of problems because it could break down the stomach. It could also create sores in the mouth and, and erode teeth. So the more stomach issues you had, because it would create like bleeding ulcers, the more of this stuff they would take. And even though the calomel was a milder salt, it was pretty dangerous. And even more so when people kept taking it more and more. And Louise May Alcott, who wrote Little Women, mm-hmm. she used to have digestive issues and she was taking this quite a bit. And she took a lot of it before she had died. And she was a Civil War nurse. She had volunteered and had become sick, long hours and and um, poor environment. And she had died. They the theory is maybe it was because of mercury poisoning. So people would have ulcers and take the stuff. And you said that when people did the test, they went through the body and caused tumors. So it would just that's in the pure form, but so would it just make the same? It would just make the problem worse. Yes, pretty much. Okay, but they that's... didn't realize it. Yeah. <laughs> they were, like, hashtag they were, science. Okay, right? Exactly. Yeah. I know logic today is um, in hindsight. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it, but it popped up quite a bit in 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 history, so it makes it makes sense. Well, it was a slow acting. This mercury type of poisoning is very slow acting. Remember we were talking about Edgar Allan Poe? Mm -hmm. And this is one of the medications that he might have taken if he wasn't feeling well. Well, it's slow acting. So it's not like you're going to right then have stomach ulcers and go, okay, I'm relating this to that medication I just took. You know, um, really quick, since you mentioned Poe, did you know that he's related to the Mad Hatter in a different way as well, literally? Through why is a raven like a writing, writing desk? desk? Yeah, he's one of the possible answers to the to the riddle. That yes, and I was going to talk about that later, but since you brought it up, <laughs> and that was the one thing I was ready and knew. I was like, oh, we we just talked about Poe and like, that, he, yeah, that is one of the theories. And the the Lewis Carroll, when he wrote that in there, had not intended for there to be an answer. No, uh, it was supposed to be just a throwaway line that a mad little uh, hatter would, would would say without a net real answer. But they came up with a couple ones afterwards. And that was right, which I have. I have written down some of the other possible. Do you know what Lewis Carroll had come up with? Because his readers had demanded an answer. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, there's a there's a few versions that he a few answers that he gave, but I think the big one is they're both something musical. Like they both create notes but they're flat notes or something like that? Yes, because it can produce a few notes, though they are very flat. And it is never put with the wrong end in front. And never is spelt N-E-V-A-R, which is Raven backwards. That's what he had written. But yeah, the other theories besides Poe's, the Poe one, is they both stand on their legs and they both produce notes, but neither are musical. I like that one. Uh, that one's probably my favorite, I think. But then, yeah, Edgar Allan Poe wrote on both is the other <laughs> So, yes. 
that was that was true um you know and i don't even remember i mean i've seen the i've seen the book i've read the book many many times and i've seen the movie both disney versions or tim burton's version or whatever and i don't think i've ever realized that there wasn't an answer for why or never thought about like needing an answer for why a raven was a writing desk no none back to mercury poisoning Mercury was also used as a laxative, antiseptic, diuretic, and it was used to treat syphilis externally. I think it was kind of like a powder that you were supposed to sprinkle on your junk if you had uh, syphilis. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) it was used for a lot of different things. And I'm not sure, like, again, how people would come up with the reason for mercury being this cure-all type of thing. Those taking the milder mercury salt were just being poisoned slowly. However, you could be accidentally overdosing with something a little stronger. They wouldn't die immediately, though. And we talked about this also with Edgar Allan Poe. If you could die pretty quickly or if it took a while. And in the case of the medications, it does take it does take a long time. If you were trying to commit suicide, that's not the way to go. It would just create more problems. And, but. Which makes sense because like, if you're, if, if you're getting it medically and they give you too much of something, the doctors are kind of monitoring you, which is why you're getting the medicine. So they would notice something is wrong and do something different. If it's slow, it's a little bit less noticeable by the doctors. Right. So there was a lady who tried to commit suicide by taking 30 tablets of mercury bichloride, uh, but it took her two weeks to die. <laughs> so <laughs> That's was, the worst death ever. That was a long, uh, slow suicide. Um, it eats away at the kidneys pretty badly, as well as it breaks down the body's tissues and erodes the mouth and stomach. Like I said, it creates blood, bleeding ulcers and erodes the teeth out of the mouth. Um, there's a book that I was reading called The Poisoner's Handbook, which is a pretty interesting book. It has a lot of stories about different types of poisons and different stories about people who use them. Um, but she made a comment about mercury that I thought was interesting. She said, mercury for all its glimmery silver elegance is a messy killer. Because when they do the biopsy, I guess it's Pretty bad. It is pretty erosive. Now I'm going to tell you a quick story about Olive Thomas. Olive Thomas was a 1920s actress. She was married to Jack Pickford, who's the brother of Mary Pickford. And they had this very on-again, off-again relationship. They were always arguing. He was a lady, ladies' man. Uh, which is probably how he got syphilis. And they fought a lot, but they always managed to patch things up, get back together. And they went on this trip to Paris, I guess maybe as a kindling of a rekindling of their love. And they tended to party a lot. So they did that, came home to their hotel and he kind of crashed. She stayed up for a while. And then she went to the bathroom, I guess, to get ready for bed and accidentally took his mercury powder instead of her sleeping powder 
and took that yeah instead and found out pretty quickly that it was not her sleeping powder because it had i'm not sure how much she put in so she started screaming that she uh needed help so he woke up got her some help got her you know called the ambulance um think there was an ambulance back in 1920 and sent her to the hospital but again it's not a quick death she died a few days later but very painful way to go i'm sure yeah yeah she was an actress she was very pretty i'm gonna put a picture of her in the instagram she's very very pretty actress she worked on stage as well as um, in movies So, Mad Hatter's disease, also known as mercury poisoning. It became very well known in the 17th century as hats were becoming more commonplace. People were wearing hats just as commonly as they do today wearing the baseball cap. Hatters used to make their own felt in a process called carotene. Now, I think it was called carotene because I think the solution was orange. But it was a process where they would take the animal skin, which was usually beaver, or if you wanted a lower quality felt, it was rabbit, and they would put it in the solution to separate the fur from the skin. Now, I'm a felter. <laughs> I, I, I can make my own felt, my own fabric, but I never realized that it could be made with fur. I always thought it was made with, with wool. Did you say it was carroting, as in like the, uh, like vegetable, the vegetable carrot? Mm-hmm. Okay. Carroting. Yes, that was what the process was called. So anyway, the solution used for this carroting process was made with mercury nitrate, which produces a very harmful vapor. So the hatter would be absorbing that vapor through the lungs, and then it would make its way to the brain. It's not like they had uh, proper air ventilation. No, they didn't know. Fans or anything like that to get the vapors out of your face. They just yeah, it's it's a it's almost it's invisible pretty much, unless they thought oh. that um, if the carotene process was heated, so if it was a warm solution, then it would create like maybe some smoky billows from that, and maybe that's what they were thinking. It was the warm water or the warm the heat. So but... they didn't realize like there was something that they were breathing in. Right. Damn. And it's and it's not just the hatters, the industrial uh, industrial world was using mercury a lot. So in like automobiles or whatever, they would use mercury. So it wasn't just the hatters, but there's probably if you're if you're in an assembly line for a car, it's probably more ventilation better ventilation where these guys are in smaller rooms making their own felt bent over a piece of a piece of fur makes sense yeah and they probably weren't even using gloves they probably weren't even using proper gloves they probably didn't protect their hands either so it affects the nervous the central nervous system both physically and psychologically so it's during the actual making of that i i always heard and obviously I'm, I'm wrong but it was because 
they were wearing their own hats. <laughs> they, they would be wearing hats all the time. And somehow the hat was around their, the brim of their forehead. I, I never really thought it beyond that. And hence why they, why they were, like, they sweat, there's your hat, boom, there you go. I didn't yeah, think about it. Yeah, but then why wouldn't other people who wear hats not have this problem? Because they take it off indoors? I don't know. <laughs> they would be wearing it more often and longer. I obviously didn't think about it. Ironically, I don't even think the hatters were wearing the hats while they were making them. Perhaps oh. only while they were selling them. Because, that makes if sense. right, if you're, you know... If you're in the back room doing production, you're probably not wearing a hat. No. So anyway, some of the symptoms for the psychological part of it are kind of surprising. There's uh, shyness, low confidence, depression, apathy, irritability, forgetfulness, insomnia, bad dreams, suicidal thoughts hallucinations and paranoia now shyness and confident low confidence i i i wouldn't have thought of that as a as a trait that you would end up getting from being exposed to mercury like that doesn't seem like a a legitimate symptom right low confidence but it's very specific and everything i read about mad hatter's disease low confidence and shyness were were listed, so it wasn't like a one-off with someone saying that's what it was. Um, hallucinations and the paranoia. Now, the paranoia, I think, relates a little bit to the Mad Hatter. He thought time was mad at him, which is why it was always tea time. He was stuck at six o'clock. He thought Wait, the so he I, thought I, I got confused on that. I'm sorry. Can I skip over. So he thought that time was mad at him and the reason he thought that was because when he was doing twinkle twinkle little bat he in the book he's the one that's telling the queen this the song or singing the song in the disney movie it's the dormouse right but but in the book he's singing it to the queen and the queen gets mad she said he's mad time is mad his time is mad his time is crazy no mad. Oh. So time, like, so the Mad Hatter took it literally, like time was mad at him when she really meant he was off of the rhythm, off beat. Right. <clears throat> but he took it literally because you say what you mean and you see, you, you say what you mean and mean what you say. Right. That's part of the book. Alice was like, well, that's the same thing. Anyway, so he literally thought time was mad at him and that. He was stuck. That's why he was only, it's always six o'clock for the Mad Hatter. And always and, and it's always tea time. Yes. Gotcha. But that's a book book reference rather than a movie reference. Anyway, well, so it's a little bit of a paranoia because he's afraid time is mad at him. I would like to point out Disney did a lot of changes to that book. Uh, yeah. There's a whole like ad addition to stuff. They go the definitive and and Burton didn't do much better. The definitive version in my mind is the mid eighties um, uh, miniseries, uh, which was just downright br uh, brilliant. Carol Channing doing the um, 
jam yesterday, jam tomorrow, but never ever jam today. Um, just a who's who of celebrities over a two-day miniseries event. It was amazing. I don't remember that one. We watched that as kids. I love this. I tell everyone about this. I tell everyone. Like, it sounds it's familiar, a, but I don't remember. I'm gonna have to go watch it or find it. Yeah, I think it's on YouTube. Uh, it's got all the minor characters, all the small characters. Pat Moriarty is the goat, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, which you never see the goat in any other movie version of this at all. Uh, so um, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna go watch it again because I, I don't remember. I mean, I remember it, but I don't remember. So I'm gonna have to go look. Yeah, Disney is more. I mean, it's funny. It's nice. It's a, but it's far from a definitive version. <laughs> yeah, they're they're gonna change, and and I feel like they sh- they should be able to because it's such a silly, nonsensical book, the story that you should be able to do whatever version you want to do, right? I mean, I don't know, but I think Disney did a good job of the Mad Hatter, as far as some of the characteristics of what a mad mad as a hatter is which you were you were yeah that is that is very true the other the physical symptoms were often mistaken for being drunk um, and those included tremors which usually started in the hands spasms unstable gait slurred speech and drooling the mad hatter in disney was he had a slurry speech I, I was watching some clips of it last night. I'm like, yeah, his slurry his slurriness is there. That makes sense. I always thought it was because he was drunk and it was just like a wink, wink, nod, nod to the adults that the tea is not just tea, but a little uh, whiskey as well. Well, like I said, the symptoms often mistaken for being drunk. So, that, is, that is amazing. That's awesome. So the Mad Hatter and through the looking glass was called Hatta. H-A-T-T-A. For some reason, they changed his name in that book. And then the hair, they changed his name in the book, the looking through the looking glass. But he doesn't have very many parts in the book. But he does tell the king about my favorite poem, The Lion and the Unicorn. Are we going to recite it right now together? Yeah, you want to? Yeah, go for it. On three. One, two, three. The lion, the lion and the unicorn were fighting for the crown. The lion beat the unicorn all around the town. Some gave him my bread, some gave him crown, some gave him plum cake and drunk them out of town. And drunk them out of town. For the listeners, Angie and myself, we would recite that over and over again as kids. No explanation for why we just did. I don't know. Yeah. And we used to dance around. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you know that the unicorn is the official animal of Scotland? I did not know that. Wait, I I think I I did know that. And I forgot that. That is amazing. I knew that when I went to Scotland in Edinburgh, there's a lot of unicorns around and they, yeah, they, I don't know. I learned it while I was there. And then I it suddenly dawned on me when I was putting together my notes. Is the lion the official animal of England? It is. And it is. So I'm wondering if it that is. poem has anything to do with Scotland and England's relationship. It does. So I don't know anything about that, 
but I've put that together after years and years and years of being on this earth. There is literally nothing in Alice in Wonderland or Through the Looking Glass that is not, that doesn't have any meaning whatsoever. Like everything from the chessboard uh, des uh, descriptions to the poems, uh, the walrus and the carpenter is a, is a metaphor for Christianity. Like everything has meaning behind it. Everything's like all the mathematical stuff is like based in chess. Like I, I am nowhere near enough of a scholar to be able to answer all of the questions, but yes, it's, it's, tied to the lining unicorn is tied to english um a civil war and i don't remember which two kings uh or when it happened but it probably was shortly before um lewis Hare wrote the book huh was there a civil war with scotland no after not they became part of the uk not so much a civil war but there's just with different people being who which family is ah but maybe it was because he was drummed out of town and there wasn't a war. <laughs> it could be. Uh, we, we have to look that one up and, and uh, I, I don't remember the details on it. I can't. Well, Lewis Carroll was a mathematician. He was. Yes. So that's probably why there was a lot of math in there. Lewis Carroll's real name was Charles Dodge, Dodgson. He was an educator, mathematician, a deacon, and a photographer. He used to tell stories to his church friend's children, and one particular girl's name was Alice, who was named in his book. He was encouraged to turn his stories into a book, and so he did. But the first book, the first manuscript, did not include the Mad Hatter or the Cheshire Cat. It was about half as long as the story that we all know and love. It was originally called Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and then changed to Alice in Wonderland. You gotta love old literature back in the day. There's never a definitive version <laughs> off the no. get-go. It always goes through some changes. Things are always changing. And it was published in 1865. The illustration of the Hatter was inspired by an eccentric furniture dealer named Theophilus Carter. He used to stand in the doorway of his shop with his hat back on his head. And I'll put an illustration illustration from my book in instagram to show what the hat the original hatter looked like which isn't far off from the disney version where the hat is kind of laid back on the head and the mad hatter is kind of short and and statue so i'm going to include that the term mad as a hatter was pretty common in carol's time hat making was the main trade in stockport where Carol grew up and those hatters that were kind of far gone were um, a little too mad for society. They were sent to the lunatic asylum and Lewis's uncle had worked at one of those asylums. He was one of the commissioners or something. And so he probably might've told Carol some of the stories, but also Carol had gone to an asylum once himself. As a patient? As a as a patient. Oh. Um, I'm not sure for how long or for what, but he was noted he he did note that they were allowed to put on plays and they were allowed to throw tea parties. <laughs> it's also interesting to note that Carol, as a photographer, would have been exposed to mercury because it was used as an intensifier to produce photographs. 
So perhaps Carol himself was a little mad. That is, it all comes back around. <laughs> and that is my Mad Hatter disease, Mad Hatter episode. I think you did answer one of my questions uh, that I had coming into this with the last bit. So clock making, and there's a, a more famous podcast, and I don't want to give away the plot twist for this, but from that podcast, if, if anyone who's listened to it would know which one I'm referring to, um, clockmakers actually had a lot of mercury poisoning too, especially because of, uh, of how the gold, the gold pieces and the gold clocks had something to do with mercury. Uh, um, and they stopped doing it. But if, if you're working on old ancient clocks, you can have this problem. Uh -huh. And, and so I was, I was kind of curious why isn't it mad as a hatter and no one ever thought mad as a clockmaker <laughs> is it just because mad as a hatters or did lewis carroll help make it more famous or but i believe the phrase was used before alice in wonderland was written but yeah it was around the 1700s and the lewis carroll's book was in the 1800s but also i think because of the amount of poisoning there are was, more cats than, than clocks, so there's that. There's probably yeah, it was very common. But were they using a vapor with the clocks? So, like photography, that would have a vapor, but would there be a vapor per se with the? Because not necessarily, you would not necessarily so. get a poisoning from touching mercury. It was this. Uh, I, I think it's from the sold, soldering. The uh, soldering. Soldering. Sorry. Thank you. From the soldering, I think, um, would cause that the could vapor. be. But so that's in a small space, and they probably weren't doing it. I mean, it, they could have been doing it all day, but. And not in the quantities. Right. So they might have had some, some, because it's over time. Like, it wasn't like mercury poisoning happened right away. These hatters were doing this over process. Over. That was their career. They were doing it for years and years. And even after they would start having symptoms, they would hide those symptoms because um, one, they probably didn't know, or two, they didn't want to lose their jobs because it was well known that people were going mad and they didn't want to end up going that route or having someone. <laughs> Career changes wasn't, wasn't a big thing back in the 1700s. No. So, <laughs> and also they, where they would do this process were big vats. So it was probably a lot of vapor. It's not just like a little bucket. It was a big vat of this mercury nitrate that they were dunking these furs in. That makes sense. Because they were huge, huge pieces of uh, belting or skins, animal skins. Side note, <laughs> they banned the use of mercury in this process in 1941. Jesus. It took that long for them to say, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. But they were bringing other chemicals to the process in the 1800s, in the late 1800s. So uh, they did have other ways of making felt hats. But again, the hat <laughs> kind of went out of style at some point. Yeah, it's not that old of a problem, though. Like, there was an executive order created, I think, two years ago, allowing dentists to, allowing dentists to make it uh, easier for them to dispose of mercury into the water supply. So it's still a problem today. Yay. Yay. I just wanted to add a little bit something. So in the Batman, 
uh, universe, there's there's an Alice. Uh, all of these are villains. There's a an uh, an Alice, a white rabbit, a lion, a carpenter, a walrus, a unicorn, and a March Harriet. And so there's a big a March Harriet. A March Harriet. Uh, yeah, she's her her name is March Harriet, but she's uh, she's an obvious reference to the March Harriet. There's also a Cheshire, but it doesn't seem to be connected to the cat. Um, and so there's a lot of like like questions of like why is there so much Alice in Wonderland stuff, especially since a lot of these characters were actually introduced really early on in the uh, early 40s by the same editor and either he had a huge fa uh, fandom of of alice in wonderland and brought it into the comics or there's something more and the idea that batman um one of the reasons he takes on the batman mantle a name is because he falls down the tunnel the shaft to the um into the bat cave um, where the bunch of the bats scare him. So he, much like Alice, falls down a hole, and some would say that he goes crazy, he goes a little mad, taking on this persona of, of Batman, as Bruce, Bruce Wayne takes on Batman. Uh, so there's a lot of parallels between those two characters and then how he's you know going through this universe of all these crazy vil villains. Much of the, Many of them are in the Alice in Wonderland. So there's it's a, almost like that that Spider-Man cartoon where it's an alternate universe. Yeah, yes. The multiverse, the spider verse. Yeah. Yeah. But so, in this case, it's like a rabbit hole verse. It's a rabbit hole verse. So like, and, um, and then non metaphorically, uh, they were also just, you know, the, in the, um, uh, what's it called? Public domain since it's been so long since the uh, books have been written. And these are really fascinating uh, characters from, uh, Lewis Carroll's, Lewis Carroll's, uh, two books and his Jabberwocky poem. So it just really, uh, I thought it was a, like a little interesting connection to bring it to book closure. So thanks for letting me put a little epilogue on that. Well, I made me think you said 1940s and I was wondering when the Alice in Wonderland book, um, Disney movie came out. Uh, 1950. 1951. Okay. So it was a little bit after, but right now, there's an Alice in Wonderland revamp as well in the culture. I have noticed because I make greeting cards and when I sell them, the Alice in Wonderland ones sell really well. And I make these little coasters that has a hat in it. Um, and it'll say, we're all mad here. And I, every time I make them, I sell out. So, like, there is a lot of Alice in Wonderland fans right now. So it's it's definitely not lost its appeal to the public. No, it never it never goes out of style. People love that. Uh, there's so many characters that people someone could always relate to like one of the characters, and like yeah. the idea of chaos and like you know, we're all a little mad here. Or um, yeah, the villain idea though sounds really interesting. It's it's fun. Um, it, you know, I didn't ask you. Do you have a favorite character? In in the actual um, Alice in Wonderland books, uh huh. Oh wow, um, that's a great question. I <laughs> I I think I, I think it's the white hair. I mean, he's instant I, I Yeah, the white rabbit. Excuse me, the white rabbit. He's he's the first one you meet in all his different forms. He's just really likable, and he we all I like you know he just wants to get somewhere because he's late i'm always feeling late so he's always in my head um i'm late i'm late for a very important date um 
time to say goodbye, hello, and late and late and late. <laughs> I mean, and then all his different versions where he's, you know, in, with his interactions and how he he ties through the whole book and everything. It's it's just kind of nice. it's really interesting too. I just it just made me think the caterpillar is like the direct opposite of him. No, nowhere to go. Yeah, nowhere to go. Completely, like just chill. Whereas the rabbit's so anxious. I never. I never put that together that they're so opposite. Um, my favorite character is the cat, the Cheshire cat. He's, He's so mischievous and the grin is just my favorite. And he wags his tail when he's mad. Whereas, um, well, that was one of the reasons he said he was mad is because he does opposite things where a dog would wag its tail when it's happy. <laughs> cat wags a tail when it's angry well and this entire world is 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 chaos and and craziness and you would if you just had him as a character right by just him solely and and in the um zeitgeist of how people perceive him he is the one crazy and he's smiling and he's he's chaos but he's actually the opposite of this entire world where he just wants to do kind of his own thing and he stays away he doesn't do any of the rules he doesn't bow down to the queen of hearts he doesn't bow down to any of the, the rules that are happening he just does his own thing so it's like it's a it's a weird dichotomy of he's crazy and <laughs> rebellious antisocial but it's because he's kind of antisocial and doesn't play by the the physics and the the rules of uh, of the universe yeah my favorite yeah. He's complex. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being a part of my Mad Hatter episode. Yeah. Thanks for the memories and thanks for the song. <laughs> I will see you again when we talk about poisoning. We're going to do an episode on poisoning. Like Hemlock and, and Socrates? No. Like lead poisoning. <laughs> That's less fun. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. Thank Catch you. you in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed today's mental vacation from your current life. If you did and are curious for more, please subscribe. Before you go, if you have anything to add to today's show or you have a topic that you think is worthy of dissection, please reach out on dissectingmedicalhistory.com or Instagram on Dissecting Medical History. Thank you, and stay curious. <laughs>